0: Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome uh, to The Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, I and Glenn B. we're looking back at Sunday and Saturday and the weekend. I oh, know that doesn't make sense. I'm being silly. Hey, um, Judith Collins. Oh. Um, Francesca's going to talk about Judith Collins shortly. Um, uh, Hugo Porter's going to talk about uh, the All Blacks versus Argentina. Unfortunately, he was talking about them before they played. Be interesting to hear what he had to say. Uh, but before we of that, uh, a lot of the weekend was spent thinking about uh, the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, of course. For the last 20 years,
1: Western democracies have lived in a state of fear. And it has only made the risk of terrorism worse. A few nights ago, I watched a film about the late Middle East foreign correspondent Robert Fisk. And it included a clip of him in a debate about the root cause of the 9-11 attacks. It's evil, pure and simple, said the person that Fisk was debating. Evil, evil, evil. Fisk argued, actually, life doesn't really work that way. It's not so simplistic. No one wakes up and has a cup of tea and says, you know what, I'm going to do something really, really evil. One person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. Think of all the conflicts that America was involved in with in the decades before 9-11? And and consider those conflicts from the hijacker's perspective. Why is it just for American soldiers to fly across the world and to invade and bomb distant lands, often Muslim-majority countries, but evil when a group of people attack New York in response? Scared people act irrationally. The wars that spun out of 9-11 didn't eliminate the risk of terrorism. They increased it. With every civilian wrongfully killed by a rocket or a drone, every village torn up by an armored troop carrier, another dozen potential enemies were created. And so here we find ourselves, 20 years on. Is our world any safer than it was on September 10th, 2001? For me... I think it's the saddest thing about those awful events 20 years ago. Ultimately,
0: the plan worked. Yes, um, it's interesting. Monster number one, my eldest uh, daughter, was born in 2001. And um, so we, we were trying to explain to her why the significance. She, she was just the same the other night. And she's struggling to grasp the significance of it, why it's such an important event. Because, of course, all she's ever known is living in a an era of terror. Whereas, you know, it, that really didn't exist for most of us for that date. And I think that's the significant thing about it, isn't it? Of course, um, Helen Clark. She was uh, Prime Minister here uh, that day. What, what immediately, what immediate decisions, apart from returning to New Zealand, did you have to make in the aftermath of nine eleven?
2: Well, obviously, returning to New Zealand, number one. I had acting Prime Minister in place, which was Jim Anderton, and when Parliament uh, convened, uh, which would have been. You know, that day. it happened in the early hours of the morning out times so when in Parliament convened there were he made a, a statement and other parties uh, responded to that, and obviously all responded uh, appropriately uh, with uh, with shock and concern mm-hmm. and you know, thoughts for the families. Uh, I probably wasn't immediately that we would have been aware that there were two New Zealand citizens killed in the attack. Of course, it
0: wasn't just the, uh, the people in New York who were directly affected that day. It was everybody who was flying, especially anybody who was flying uh, to or from the United States because all the planes were grounded straight away. Um, uh, this bloke is actually a Kiwi citizen, and he was uh, ended up being one of the uh, come from ways as they became known. The people were stranded in Gander in, in New Finland. Can
1: you take us back... 20 years, where were you on September 11, 2001?
3: Well, it started off as an ordinary Tuesday, and I was in Wimbledon in South London, my parents' house, waiting to go to catch a flight from London Heathrow to Chicago in the USA. When all of a sudden I woke up and figured out I would had a wardrobe malfunction. Um, I failed to pack a tie. Now, I know you're probably going to say that wasn't so much of a wardrobe malfunction, but at the time, 20 years ago, I was flying business class and having a tie was part of the uniform we had to have on the plane. So when I eventually got to Heathrow Airport, first port of call was the tie rack. Buy a new tie, put it on, get into the United Lounge, wait for my boarding call and get into the plane. And then halfway through the plane, that's when it all went to custard. And what changed? What happened? Well, I was just uh, in the middle of writing a report, which was my main focus during the flight, when the pilot, Captain Mike Ballard, came on to announce the following. He said, ladies and gentlemen, can I first reassure you there's nothing wrong with the airplane. However, there's been a significant incident in the States and the Federal Aviation Authority has asked to divert all planes and will be going to Newfoundland in Canada. I thought, knew where? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah,
0: there. Uh, if you weren't aware, there is a musical called Come From Away about this exact event, and it's pretty fantastic. Check it out. It, you can actually uh, watch it on Apple TV right now. They recorded their return performance once Broadway reopened. All right. Um, there was other stuff to talk about. Um, over the weekend stuff like uh, judith collins's leadership of the national party and the random stuff that she says from time to time
2: when asked about the video judith collins could hardly contain her smile when she announced dr wiles was a big fat hypocrite and how sick and tired she was of listening to dr wiles tell everyone what to do while she was clearly breaking the rules herself a spokesperson for collins claims the expression big fat hypocrite is nothing to do with body image but the this is the point where you kind of think to yourself, best choice of words? Regardless of whether Dr. Wiles is your cup of tea, and I've not met her, Judith Collins' response was harsh and unnecessary. While the government's be-kind messages tiring and patronising at times, isn't it? The opposition shouldn't need to be disrespectful and rude to make themselves heard. It was an embarrassing outburst from the opposition leader, who has also, as Toby Mannhire pointed out in the spin-off, proven herself completely unpredictable. So my question to you is, is this the behaviour of a potential leader of the country? I mean, I want strong, decisive leadership from our opposition, but I also want competency, decency and consistency. It is tough in a lockdown. We are all doing our best to to obey the rules. We're on day 26 in Auckland. Occasionally, we all probably see people and wonder... They're breaking the rules. Then you're reminded we all have different bubbles, and most of the time it's family and close friends looking after each other, and that's what we do in a lockdown, look after each other, and go biking for exercise.
0: I mean, you can't just rule out the fact that we're all just losing it by this stage. I mean, God knows how they've done it in other countries where it's just gone on for months and months, because, like Francesca said, what did she say, day 26? So we're day 27 now here in Auckland, and... um. Uh, Kay Hawksby just asked me just before what, what I think is gonna happen with the level announcements, and I said, look, I don't have an opinion Everybody's got an opinion. I don't have one I, because I am starting to feel like that none of this is actually real That I'm in an episode of lost or something I, that I've, I'm already dead and living in some kind of weird purgatory like an episode of the good place yeah, I just I don't know what's up, what's down anymore. This is taking a turn. Let's talk about rugby instead. Um, they, they got Hugo uh, Porter on the uh, program yesterday, uh, the, probably the greatest Argentinian rugby player of all time to talk about what he thought was going to happen with the All Blacks game. It must be hard too for uh, uh, the Argentina side at
1: the moment to be effectively playing away from Argentina for a second straight year. What have you made of their recent test matches uh, in South Africa? Well, you know they are professionals. They have to play wherever they have to play. Because, uh, it, it, it's a matter of having a competition to play, and and um, to live from from what what, what you are doing. Uh, so, for them, uh, it's always special to play in Argentina. But uh, they are used uh, now to to play overseas. Um, it's it's I I understand. For for what I listen and what I read, that it might be tough, but it, it's it's what they it's, it's what they have decided about their lives, so they have to do it anyway. Mm.
0: A rather resigned sounding Ugo Porter there. Um, probably more resigned now after the old nine mil result. I'm um, Glen ZB, Uh, that has been News Talk ZB, the weekend edition, we will see you back here again tomorrow, Um, who knows what level we'll be anticipating then eh, well exciting.